This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. How's it going, everyone? Mike Hill here. Another episode of Everything Went Black. If you listen to my other podcasts that I do with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, Brandon Legion and the Horror Wolf podcast might be something you're familiar with. But since we're dedicating that show specifically to movie talk, all of the interviews are going to be on here. So this is kind of a crossover episode. I know that uh, loosely we talk about music-related stuff here at EWB, but um, I think in the future, some of the potential horror and fiction guests are going to appear on this show. So um, anyway, Brandon's a good friend, supporter of both, both of these podcasts, and he himself has an excellent podcast called Horror Wolf 666. And uh, we just sat down and decided to kind of just shoot the shit. And uh, here we go. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. And uh, you've been doing this for a while, the horror stuff. And um, it started out mostly as a blog where you're doing reviews. And then you expanded into doing the audio video podcast. So uh, you want to give us a background on why you got started, why horror, and what got you interested in doing this thing? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast, Mike. You know, love your podcast. Every all the podcasts you do, Necromaniacs, you know, this one, all of them that you do, they're all great. But um, and you were a big um inspiration for me to start my podcast because, like you said, originally, I started out doing like uh like kind of blog thingies on a uh, Google back in the day. It had this like uh kind of like Google group type thing where you could like uh it's like a small website type thing where you could put your reviews out there and stuff like that. So I started there, which was pretty like, you know, small. I was just writing stuff, um, films I liked at the time and shit. And um, I started to grow from, you know, that point on. Um, I got into trying to figure out how to get a website up and running, which I did. And then um, that's horrorwolf666.com, where I still do reviews um, on older stuff, uh, newer stuff. Whatever kind of like catches me, you know, I'm not I'm not going to review everything I see. It has to be something that really gets me going, you know, so um, I got that up there. And then I was on your podcast, the Necromaniacs podcast, and um, when I was talking with you on there, I got done. I was thinking about it. I was like, fuck, I'm going to start a podcast, you know. I've been wanting to do it for a while now. I just, you know, I'm a bit, uh, have to, I got some social issues when it comes to like, talking with people and stuff like that. You know, I'm not a big fan of that, but I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get past that. I'm going to start my own podcast. And so I did. I started the Horrible 666 podcast, and that's been going on for about, I'll say, six or seven months, maybe a little bit longer. So, Yeah, you got some great guests on there. And also, honestly, man, I think uh, your skills as a, uh, a, a talker are very good, man, a speaker. You, you do a good job with that stuff. I appreciate that, man, because, uh, like, back during the band days, like, um, I could get on stage and play all fucking night, you know, and do my thing up there, but as soon as I get off the stage, that's a different thing for me. I guess it's uh, dealing with social anxiety and shit like that, so, like, doing this, I'm like, you know, it kind of feels like I'm on stage again, so I guess it gives me a little bit more courage, (laughs) you know? Definitely. I I feel the same way about that. It's... um... You know, it's a little bit more performative in some ways, and uh, you know, so what? What was the uh, what was the band that you played in back then? Back uh, when you were, um, I was in the, uh, oh, I was in the uh, former band. We are not active anymore, but we were together for like seventeen years. Seventeen years, um, damn. Yeah, yeah. I was in that band since I was, I think, seventeen years old. I'm thirty six now, so and we stopped a few years ago, but um, yeah, it was a doom sludgy band uh, called Tripping the Mechanism, and um, we did four or five u.s tours and you know put out some really killer albums and stuff I had a great time with it it was a hell of an experience man like yeah and then you get to find out how hard uh fucking traveling really is and touring man it's like you think your job's hard your regular job no fuck that touring's way harder <laughs> yeah definitely and uh so you guys have any releases out or anything like that that you can mention oh yeah we got um there's some releases on our Bandcamp page which is still up 
think we got like four albums up on there. Um, you can check those out if you're into like some doomy, sludgy stuff. Um, we've been called the Black Metal Melvins. I thought that was pretty cool. So <laughs> we got those up there. And I think all the ones that are up on our Bandcamp page were, um, were done by Philip Copa Kai Lessa. He recorded us and, you know, mixed us and all this stuff. And, you know, they sound really cool because, you know, Philip was behind the wheel there. So I know Phil. Yeah, he's also a big horror guy. I just interviewed him and uh, Bianca on my podcast. They're both in the band Oakskin now. They're um, going to be on an episode coming out in the future. And um, yeah, both of them are really into horror, man. Like they're up there with me when it comes to horror knowledge. <laughs> so, Tombs did a tour with uh, Kylesa. Um, it's got damn. It's got to be like ten years ago at this point. It was um, when we did uh, we. Had, I think we were we were maybe the first or second relapse album, and um, yeah, it was cool, man. I that that was they were a hard working band, and it was pretty cool being on tour with them. And um, it was Kylesa Tombs and a Canadian band called Bison. I don't know if you ever heard them. Um, no, I haven't heard of Bison. I highly recommend them. They're a great band. Uh, it's like back. Yeah, I remember back then. This was like kind of a new idea, but it was like. Uh, if you took like Thin Lizzy and made it like thrash, hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. um, it's like, you know, the, the dueling guitars, kind of punky beats, um, you know, that kind of thing. It was a very cool band. They're still active actually. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, like us, they had their one record on metal blade <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. You know, they moved on to some other, another label and, um, right. yeah, they were, they were great, man. They're cool guys too. That's cool. I keep the. I make a note of that. Bison. I have to check them out. Yeah, definitely. And they're they're sick players too, man. Like just really good guitar players. And so that that was a fun tour. It was like throughout, uh, pretty much like the states that were like the kind of the, the home turf of of uh, Kailesa, like the south southeast kind of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's definitely their home turf for sure. What got you interested in horror? I mean, it's funny how horror and extreme metal. Uh, they they always go hand in hand. It seems. Oh yeah, definitely. I I noticed that trend. Um, I've been in horror like I've been interested in horror all my life. I I can remember watching Hellraiser as a little teeny ass kid. I think my aunt or my grandma had me watching it. I'm talking about like five six years old. I'm watching Hellraiser, uh, the Freddy Krueger uh, TV show that was on for a brief period. On if you remember that one or not. I do. Yep. I can remember watching that. There was a scene in there where uh, this kid's in the cafeteria and this uh, piece of pepperoni like sticks to his face and he starts like slowly changing to Freddy. That shit kind of traumatized me as a kid. So, and um, you know that that was a big jump start for me was my grandma and my aunt like having me watch horror movies because there wasn't no like they didn't give a shit about ratings or nothing like that. I could watch whatever I wanted to rated R. It doesn't matter. So you know I got to start off early with that and. Now, since I'm not doing the band stuff, which I'm still doing some music, but it's mostly like synth soundtrack stuff I'm fucking around with, I have time to actually, you know, invest in my horror passion. That's cool, man. So, uh, so you, that's good that you're doing music. So, is, are you, you going to release any of that stuff, like maybe on Bandcamp or you know, do something? I'm with thinking it? about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing something small, maybe like Bandcamp or SoundCloud or something. I got like two songs done now. Actually, uh, one of them is my theme song to the podcast. It's actually a little bit longer, but I, I usually cut it like around 40 seconds on the podcast. But I did that one, and I have another one that I um, I made around the film Cobra. I don't know if you remember that film from the 80s. Dude, that is one of my favorite movies from the 80s, actually, with Sylvester Stallone. I fucking love that movie. It's so good. so dark. So um, I was inspired by that film to make like a you know, really dark synth wave track and stuff so i have that you know saved somewhere i've released as like a picture i do photo art too so you know like a uh, photo edit i guess you would call that art but i manipulate pictures and shit so i have one of uh cobra up with the song attached to it it's only like a minute and 30 seconds and stuff but you know i'm just now fucking around with the synth stuff because I, I love that shit i love dark synth yeah, so man. um my wife got me a little midi keyboard and stuff like that and i've been just fucking around since with that i'm like this is fun as shit man <laughs> there's like no reason to not release that when you feel comfortable with it you know what i mean it's uh these days like with Bandcamp and everything if you have something that you like 
that you you yourself think is quality you should there's no reason to not put it out for everybody oh yeah most definitely and um, i have had some other people tell me that too to keep on moving forward with it I'm, i definitely am i got so many things I, I like to do it's like it's crazy all the different like small little hobbies i do and like oh i want to do this this day you know and that that day and shit so but that's still in the works like I'm, i still have a passion for making sense stuff and it's a whole new like environment for me because i'm used to playing guitar and shit so playing keyboards is kind of fun real quick about cobra i mean you probably know this already but the that's uh panos cosmatos's father who did that movie yep yep and you can tell too man like panos (laughs) got some keys from that movie with all like different reds and the dark like gloominess and it's kind of got a synthy feel to it as well you know yeah that's one of the things when i first watched uh mandy for the first time i was like the red and when I think of Cobra, I think of the color red, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like some some of the just imagery in that, too, are very, very similar, you know. Yeah, there's something about the color red, man. Um, when we used to do our when we did live shows, we always play with like red lights, have everything off. Like there's something about red that just does something to the mind, you know. Oh, clearly. I mean, that's, uh, you know, colors. I mean, there's a lot of different, I mean, even, you know, this is going into other chan- tangent, but just like in, you know, ceremonial magic, like different colors, like create different atmospheres for people and different mindsets. And they use them, for, you know, for different rituals and all that. And all of the, you know, celestial uh, entities have uh, their representative colors and all that. So, yeah, colors, colors really important. Yeah, totally. Like that can really make or break a film for me. Like if it's filmed on like super HD, almost as like a soap opera, something like that, you know, that's going to throw me off. But when I when the colors are like tended to like a dark red, like has purples or blues in there, that really draws my attention and makes me more interested in the film. You know, there's Stallone apparently has um, a plot like a, a script for Cobra that was even more violent than the one that actually made it was made to the uh, for the screen. Oh, that, I, I heard something about that. Yeah. I wish that would have got released too, like as a, a, a different cut, you know. That's that's by far my favorite Stallone film. And and not and it's kind of a sleeper. Like it's not one of his like more, more well-known movies. Right, yeah. And I think the people that do know that movie usually have pretty good taste in film, you know, from my experience. <laughs> <laughs> what prompted what prompted you to start writing? Because that's kind of like a big jump, and that's something that not a lot of people are comfortable doing. Well, like, during my school years and stuff, I always was into, like, uh, writing short stories and stuff, um, mostly horror short stories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I I wrote a lot of lyrics for the band and stuff, so um, I was like, man, I like to write, you know. It's kind of a stress reliever for me, so I'm like, I'm going to start writing about, you know, horror movies, things I like. I'm going to review these and, you know, write some stuff up about them you know, and try to get some stuff out there for the people that made the film. And I enjoy doing it. You know, it's fun. Um, besides just writing like movie reviews, I'm also in the process, a very slow, slow ass process of writing like a book of short stories. Nice. I have, I have two short stories done now, sort of done. One's about 95% complete. The other one's done. It just needs some more like editing work on there, which is not my strong point. And um, that one's a cat horror uh, short stories um i've been told it's got like a lovecraftian feel i've had a few friends read it you know just let me know what they think and a few people that aren't friends let me know what they think too that way you know i get an unbiased response to it so it says pretty scary and it makes them look at their cats totally different so <laughs> so similar to uh the cats of ulthar the lovecraft story like kind of in that sort of vein oh uh, yeah similar yeah it definitely has a lovecraftian feel too especially towards the end um, you know, after I'm done with this podcast, if you're interested, I can send it your way to check out. I'd love that, man. That'd be great. So, you know, that's uh, I like writing, you know, but I got to be in the mood for it. Like, it's got to be something that inspires me. Like, um, I just can't write for any movie that comes out. And, you know, it's got to be something that really draws me to it. And I want to express my feelings through writing, which I feel I can do better than, you know, through speaking. You know, sadly, man, it's like I... um. It's funny, man, writing, like the written word is in a weird place right now, I feel like, especially with all those different media type outlets that that are available to people. Like, I think people want to listen or watch Mm -hmm. because I I used to do a lot of uh, like music writing over. I haven't done it in in a while because 
it just wasn't really like the hours I spent doing it versus what I was being paid where they just didn't didn't really work out. So I just feel like that reading stuff on a, online is, is in the decline, man. And it sucks, you know, because it's like I, I would rather like read like a 3000 word article about something, you know what I mean? And um, it's just kind of a kind of a bummer. I mean, at least in music journalism, I know in horror, it's like a totally there's magazines, there's like print magazines still out there that seem mm-hmm. to be doing well, like the new Fangoria, for example, you know, Room Org, two of the best horror, horror magazines that, that you can get these days, you know? Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's good that, it's good that, you're, that people are still writing, that still, you know, people still want to do that. Yeah, you know, I, I have a decent amount of traffic to the website. I have a little, you know, bar graph type thing that, Shows me how many people are on there every day and stuff. And it's decent, you know. If I can get, like, one or two people to find something they didn't know about, you know, movie-wise that they like or some shit, like, I'm happy with that, you know. It was definitely a good move to start the podcast because I think those two things could definitely feed each other, you know. Yeah, definitely. And um, I got the YouTube channel, too, which is the Hardwolf666 on YouTube. It's kind of hard to find because I only have like 29 subscribers right now because I don't invest a lot of time in my YouTube channel. I just kind of use that to uh, extend the podcast. Like I throw whatever podcast I was doing, I throw that up on your YouTube channel and uh, maybe put some images up of the guests I have and some of their work. But I don't really utilize it like I should. Like I'm more focused on the podcast itself and not on YouTube. But maybe in the future I do more with it, you know, possibly. So. So you're you're a one man operation, right? Like you do all the editing and all that other stuff, even the, even the web design, everything yourself, right? Yeah, that's all me. And with the uh, web stuff, it's pretty easy. Um, I use Squarespace, and they kind of just guide you the whole damn time. You just kind of just put your shit in and let it go, pretty much, you know. And I I try to keep it simple. But yeah, I'm a one man operation. <laughs> so sometimes I have a uh, my cat Lily should be my uh, second in command, but she doesn't really do shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my cat's the uh the, the executive producer on all the stuff she just kind of sits and watch watches uh you know the, the procedure and you know i can tell if she likes it or not <laughs> if you listen closely to some of my episodes you can hear uh lily and melvin and that's both our cats lily <laughs> melvin you can hear them in the background clawing on something or sometimes you hear like a meow at the door when i have the door shut podcasting so <laughs> a little secret thing there that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I need someone to help me, man. It's like I had I I have employed the help of other people to get my thing together, like the, the Squarespace website. That's why it's not it, it you know it hasn't been updated in a while as far as like current stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, video editing, I know nothing about that, man. And I to me that seems like like fucking magic or something, man. I don't know. Like how how are you, how are you taking to the video editing? Well, I use a really simple ass program that's on my. Uh... Lenovo I use I don't even have an Apple or nothing like that, nothing super fancy but they have like a video editor just like a generic one on here so I like for my videos on YouTube if you want to call them videos I just put together a whole bunch of pictures in like a slideshow then you know I take the audio from the podcast and just run it as like background audio and just let it fly with that still sounds uh fucking complicated for me man but you know maybe someday I'll get into that <laughs> Yeah, I want to learn more about the video editing stuff too, you know, but right now learning the podcast stuff was a bit of a challenge because I went in pretty like cold. I didn't know shit about it and what kind of mics to use and all that stuff. So now I have a decent mic. At first I was using the computer mic, which kind of sucks. You know, I was like, I don't know what program to use. Like who gets it out there and gets it on the different platforms. You know, I had to figure all that shit out. And, you know, I'm on every platform there is. I mean, I'm even on like iHeartRadio and shit like that. If they even play me, they say they do, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, these days, uh, you know, since podcasting is um, so popular, which is a good and a bad thing because, you know, there's just so many out there right now. um, They make they make it pretty easy to do things, which is cool. Like back when I first got into doing doing this, it was a little harder because um, it was a relatively new thing, you know? Right, yeah. With a, I use Buzzsprout, and man, they do everything for you. It's like, oh, you just put this here, put that there, and we'll spread the word for you, you know, get it on all the different platforms. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty competitive with these providers, and they all have to have to step it up like that. Well, the, yeah, pod, the podcast itself, man, like you've got, you've had some great 
guests on there. And, uh, you know, it's, I was kind of blown away by some of the names that you had in there. And I think that's, that's awesome. And it's like totally enjoyable. And I, you know, I have, I have it running a lot in the background when I'm working during the day. And, um, so do you have any, you want to run down some of your favorites just so anyone out there who wants to check, check this out can, can go back and, and figure out like what, what they want, you know, just to get involved, get familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll run through some, um, some guests with you. First of all, I'm going to say you are my favorite guest. So, um, I appreciate you being on my podcast and like oh, man, you're, you're right you. now, you're still my top downloaded fucking episode. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's great, man. That's, that's fucking cool, man. I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea it would be like that. Yeah. And you're beating out a whole bunch of like, you know, other cool people. So it's pretty awesome, man. I think it's you know, pretty cool. But yeah, some of my favorite guests besides you, um, the Greasy Strangler, Michael St. Michaels, if anybody's familiar with the film, the Greasy Strangler from uh, Spectre Vision Films. Like, I talk with the Greasy Strangler, and um, you've seen the film, you know how crazy the shit is. So, um, Michael didn't disappoint. He is everything you think he is. Like, he's, he's and such a nice guy. I mean, he's got some great fucking stories, like some crazy shit. Like, I highly recommend that be like the first. Or second, like, episode you check out on my podcast. Like, it's great. <laughs> I was laughing the whole time, man. It had me cracking up. So, um, another really cool one I had was with uh, Jill Six. She was the director of The Stylist, which just came out and is uh, streaming on the Arrow app. If you have the Arrow app. Per your, really- per, your, uh, per your recommendation, I, I actually picked up the Arrow app, and I found a lot of great stuff on there. Yeah, the Arrow app's awesome, man, and that's where you can see the stylus. I don't know if you've seen the stylus yet, have you? I have, based on you recommended it to me, and I watched it. Okay. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, Jill's a badass, and um, she's working on some more horror stuff in the future, and she's a big like uh, Texas Chainsaw fan, so on our podcast, we talk a lot of Texas Chainsaw, which is really cool because, I mean, the first three films are some of my favorites, Like you know, and it's great to talk Texas Chainsaw with somebody that knows Texas Chainsaw. Um. Another really cool one I did, I mean, really cool one, which I didn't think was going to happen. I just reached out. I was like, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't think nothing's going to come of this. But I got to talk with Daniel Noah, Spectre Vision. I mean, he produced Mandy. Like, he's behind, like, my favorite film. Like, you don't beat Mandy. Like, I, I haven't seen anything else like Mandy, and I don't know if I ever will. And I got to interview Daniel Noah, and that one was really deep and meaningful. Like, it was it was pretty powerful. That, that's a really cool episode. And, you know, I appreciate Daniel for being on the podcast with me and stuff. That's a really good one. Like, and um, another really cool one that I could recommend is uh, Andrea Supasati from Rue Morgue Ma- Magazine. She's the editor over there. Like, she's she's in charge of everything at Rue Morgue, and um, she's a fucking badass. And you know, got to talk to her and like, you know, get some insider information on Rue Morgue and some of the guests and all she's got to interview so that was real inspiring so you know about room org that's that's um always been my one of my favorite probably my favorite horror magazine i know like um you know fangoria was like probably the first horror mag that i got into you know but like i feel like the declining years of fangoria were were like the quality wasn't quite there i felt you know what i mean mm-hmm. and the relaunch is cool you know, it's only it's all like evergreen material where it's it's like these deep dives into stuff and it's it's a print only thing. You'll never find it online. But Room Org always seemed to put out like super high quality. They had like the painted covers and uh, they covered really cool stuff. And, and they started covering music, too. Or they, they are, I think they always did go do uh, do music. And one of my most favorite things, accomplishments with tombs is that. They covered uh, under sullen skies, like in um, in Room Org, and I was so fucking stoked that about that. That made me really, really happy. I didn't even know that. I probably passed right over it. Like I read so fucking fast <laughs> with the different magazines and stuff. Like you know, sometimes I don't check out the music section, which I should. I just kind of skim through, you know, before I read the whole thing. But that's really badass, man. That's a hell of an accomplishment there. I think. Yeah, more important than anything, man, for me, because I, I've always really respected that magazine. And, um, I mean, their music section, I, I usually skip over it, too, to be honest, because it's um, usually some kind of, like, horror, horror punk or 
something like a style of music that doesn't really resonate with me will be something they feature in there and uh mm-hmm. you know occasionally they'll have they'll have something that catches my eye like i think they did um well they they covered raspberry bulbs which is um i actually interviewed the dude from that band for uh, metal matters a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and um so i'm like oh cool so i read that and then i was like man it'd be so great if if we were featured in there like in their music section and that that LP was covered. That made me happy. That's way badass. I never thought about sending music into Room Org back in the day when we were sending off for reviews and stuff. I wish I would have. <laughs> well, Shit. you know, that's hey, season of mist, man. They know they got all the bases covered, man. And uh, you know, I, they're probably them and Relapse were the two best labels that Tombs has ever worked with. And a lot of the same people at at uh, Season of Mist are ex Relapse people, so. They do they do the right thing when it comes to promotion. That's cool, yeah. And there's a great list of bands on that roster for sure. Notice how I left Metal Blade off that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard some weird things about Metal Blade. So. <laughs> yeah, we did all the um, promotion. Like, uh, pretty much, I was in charge of all the internet promotion with the band. So, man. That's all I would fucking do is spread this, share this, make sure we're on this page, on that page. I mean, I took up like 80% of my free time was fucking promoting, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a job for somebody, man. It's like, and, it, and it's a hard job. You know, that's not, I would never want to be a PR person, man. That's just like constantly hustling to try to get the new releases like covered by, by outlets and you know, people not getting back to emails and people not responding to you and all. It just seems like a fucking nightmare job to me, honestly. Yeah, it's the worst. And uh, I hated, you know, doing all that stuff. I mean, we would share the duties of like sending emails out to get reviews and all. But I was pretty much in charge of all the social media. That means our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, back in the day, MySpace, fucking Bandcamp, Reverb Nation, all that shit. I was behind like keeping our numbers up on there. And um, funny story is with like Reverb Nation, when we're doing the band stuff. Uh, my wife was managing a death metal band, a really badass local band from here, and um, I was her like number one competition on there for like the number one chart. Like <laughs> me and her were going, fit. we didn't even fucking know until we met. Like you know, we're married now and stuff. Like well, I said, my wife. So back then we weren't married yet or even really met like that. But we were like each other's like number one competitor. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Uh, Reverb Nation, man, I forgot all about that. That was like a, a thing, like back, I don't know, a few years ago, it seems like. Yeah, it, it was a decent thing back in the day. Um, I don't know what happened to it now. It kind of went off the rails a bit. And my, I quit giving a shit about it, you know, towards the end of the band days and stuff. But when it first started, it was pretty cool. You know, you get to find out some bands you didn't know about or, you know, especially local ones, shit like that. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, that Spider One interview you did. That was probably one of my one of my favorite episodes on the show. And it's oh, that's funny. Cool. Yeah, it's funny. And and like any of you guys out there who listen to Necromaniacs, it's gonna be like I it's funny. I, I, on on a lot of different levels. And it and it crosses over with like Rob Zombie, White Zombie, Power Man five thousand, and Spider One. Which like I'm surprised when I look at my like I, I can't believe that i like some of rob zombie's work honestly man it's like i started off in the beginning when we first started talking about his movies hating halloween one and two that he did and not really liking any of his work but i feel like at least with me man some of his stuff has aged well and the fact that i liked lords of salem so much made me revisit a lot of his other work you know and so Mm -hmm. For for the big to start this this uh, little segment off, what what are your thoughts on Rob Zombie? I dig it, man. Like uh, when I got into Rob Zombie movie wise, it was House of a Thousand Corpses, and I was at the movie theater watching that. I was like, holy shit, it seems so fucking dangerous. And like, you know, this is nothing you you don't see this shit in the theater, man. Like that shit, was, it was crazy. You know, bloody, gory, just psychotic, you know, crazy ass camera angles and stuff. I was like. He's on to something here. Like I, that's still my favorite Rob Zombie film is House of a Thousand Corpses, and um, you know, Devil's Rejects I dig a lot too. But I, I pick House over that one. You know, a lot of people prefer Devil's Rejects by like House of a Thousand Corpses, 
And um, also, Lords of Salem is great. Um, it took me a second to get into it. I had to rewatch it like twice. But on like the third watch, I was like, oh, I totally understand where this is coming from now. And I fucking love it. So those are three of my favorites from him. And the, the first Halloween was really good. I still can't dig on the second one very much. I tried to rewatch it. Um, and just don't really do it for me. But there was a lot of problems in the making of Halloween 2. Rob Zombie said with like, I think one of the Weinsteins was involved in that shit. Was trying to like rush it and add all this different crap that he didn't want to do. So it's kind of fucked. Lords of Salem is my favorite, and and uh, Mike and I, you know, it's funny, you know, Mike, my, my my co-host, my main co-host over at Necromaniacs, mm-hmm. like we we would uh, go on these like bro dates all the time to check out movies, you know, together, and uh, and like all the Rob Zombie movies are the ones we would check out in theaters and then talk about them on the podcast. And uh, Lords of Salem, we saw it together, but we didn't talk about it until like six or seven years later. It was kind of funny. Um, but I remember watching that movie and being like, man, I am fucking surprised at how much I actually like this. Because it's some people like it's, it's it seems like a lot of people don't like that movie. Like a lot of fans of his other work really don't like that film because there's not the extreme violence and, you know, outrageous situations and all that. But I like it because it has that Italian, like, European vibe to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's why I was like, man, this is, like, his, like, homage to, like, European horror. And that's, like, one of my, some of my favorite stuff because it's, like, super atmospheric and, you know, and it had that cool music from that band or whatever. That was like, wow, this is, like, sounds like a Sun record or something, you know? Yeah, the soundtrack was really killer for uh, Lords of Salem. It really added to like the darkness of that film. It's a really dark ass film. Like, there's not hardly any humor or anything in there. Like, you know, some of Rob Zombie's films would be a little bit of dark humor, but this one's just pretty much fucking just dark, you know? Yeah, and but you know, I I don't like his last few things that he's done. Like straight up, I couldn't get like we Mike and I also went to go see Thirty One in the movie oh, theater, yeah. and I thought that was horrible. And uh, that the, the most recent one, I I made it like maybe fifteen minutes into it, and I had to, I couldn't finish watching it. So, what was that? Three from Hell, right? Yeah, I just um, yeah, yeah I just I, I just thought about the other things I could be doing with my time when I started watching that movie, and I I just did something else. He could, he should have ended it with Devil's Rejects. I mean, that was the way to end it any damn ways because they all get shot at the fucking end. I mean, it looks like they're dead. They get shot like a hundred times each, you know. Yeah, and then. They bring them back. I, I was like, that, that's always a weird fucking move. I was like, is this going to be a prequel? How are they going to fucking do this? And no, they're back. I'm like, yeah, this makes no sense. It was a waste of a movie, I think. I think he should have stopped it where he was at on Devil's Rejects and left it at that, you know? Yeah, and so it's it's weird. It's like I, I, can't, I can't really back him 100%, and I can't say that I don't like Rob Zombie. Because I remember, like, in the beginning when we were doing Necro, I was all I did was say how much I hated his 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 movies and I would just get people would, you know, when I was more active, I'm not active on Twitter anymore, but back then I was like, you know, checking my messages and people would tweet like hate mail to me because I don't like Rob Zombie and everything. And I would just <laughs> laugh, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's just kind of funny, you know, like calling me all these names, man. It's like, I know that, you know, you're, you're a thousand miles away from me right now, but it's kind of funny, you know, um, you know, the same thing with this music too, man. It's like, I don't like, white zombie or rob zombies music but i like there, there's a record that called it was called make them die slowly that came out before the big explosion and it was like pretty good pretty decent man mm-hmm. i don't know if you know that record by by white zombie um it sounds familiar I, I used to listen to white zombie you know back in my younger days and you know i moved up to rob zombie for a few albums and that was good after that and like he didn't really do it for me after that but <laughs> yeah make them die slowly is a very very different record man it's like this kid i went to high school with played in white zombie on that record and i remember running into him on one of my uh trips back home and, mm-hmm. and you know he had moved to new york city and was trying to do his thing musically and uh i saw him one day and he had like the dreads and you know he's all like decked out with like you know the leather jacket and everything and I was like, what's up, man? How you doing? He's like, oh, I'm playing in this band. It's like, you know, total like devil music, man. It's like, that was the word he used actually, was devil music. And uh, 
It's called White Zombie. So I was like, huh, okay. And then I found, I, didn't, I do not own the record, but I found, I saw a copy of it, and he's in the band photo. And I'm like, oh, this, is, this sounds, you know, this might be cool, you know. And then literally a year, a year later, I think, or two years later, within, within a two-year period, Last Sex or Sisto, like, came out, came out, and then they were propelled into megastardom. But mm-hmm. they're two very different sounds. Like, the early stuff was, like, more just guitar, bass, drums, like, heavy metal, you know, noisy, heavy metal, slow, kind of like, kind of like mid-tempo, like, maybe like, like, maybe a little Danzig-esque, you know? And then it, then the whole, like, techno thing happened with, you know, the samples and the industrial elements and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so. I don't know, I have an interesting relationship with the music and his movies. It's just funny to think about it sometimes. He's definitely fucking creative as shit. I give him that, you know. Like, he's a hell of a creative dude. I guess the, the takeaway from it, it's like, I would like to meet him someday because I feel like he might be, like, a really cool guy just to, like, talk music and movies with. Yeah, I think so, too. I bet his knowledge is way the hell out there, too. I bet he knows a ton of shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, when it comes to movies and fucking and uh, then, music. And then Spider-One, who fronts Power Man 5000, and I definitely... I personally don't like that that type of music. Really, I don't really listen to them. But when I lived in Boston, I've I saw them play several times because they were like a local band at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, and I know you talked about this on the podcast, is uh, the Death Valley series that Spider yep. One did, and and he talked about it on your show, and I was like so stoked that you guys touched on it. Yeah, he was one of the main people behind that. I think he, uh, I think he produced it or directed. It. I can't remember what we talked about on that one there, but he was like the main person behind that. I'm like, that's fucking killer. That was back in the the FearNet days and stuff when he was doing interviews on FearNet, which a lot of people don't know. Have you have you seen Death Valley? Oh hell yeah, man! I I loved it. I I watched it when it, Netflix first came out. I think when they first started doing their streaming shit, we had had the disc and everything. Uh, I believe Death Valley was on Netflix. Yes, like it back was. in the day, and that's when I watched it. I was like, this is fucking good. And I found out it was only like one season, and they cut it. I'm like, fuck. My my drummer, my old drummer Andrew Hernandez, um, who played in Tombs earlier on, he was the guy who told me about it. I guess he watched it when it was on MTV, mm-hmm. and he's like. He's like, yeah, Death Valley, check it out. It's on Netflix now. And I was like, oh, what's the, what is it? Oh, you know, it's the guy from Power Man 5000. And I was like, ah, fuck that. You know, I don't, I don't, are you kidding me, man? Like, really? So, you know, and that's just me. That's, that's, a, that's a character flaw that I have that I mm-hmm. will judge someone sometimes. That, from, on occasion, and I'm working on this, <laughs> I'll judge someone because I don't necessarily like one aspect of their creativity. And I'll discount all others. And sometimes it's like someone might be better at doing a different thing than you know them for. So right. eventually I, I uh, jumped into the Death Valley thing when it was on Netflix. And I was like, man, this is amazing shit. I really, really liked it. And I was so bummed because it ends on like a cliffhanger. And yeah, it, it leaves you want more too, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, damn, like what the fuck? And I, I just like um, really... I'm disappointed that that was never picked up again. And now it's been, what, like over 10 years. And, you know, I'm sure no one, none of those people are available. And they look different because they're 10 years older. And Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like um, that was one of the really, really big missed chances, I think, in, in horror. And, like, and one of the things is like it's almost like, and you said it in your podcast, it, that would have been a perfect show for Shudder, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would, I think the fans, so many people don't even know about this show's existence, you know? Nope. And and that's a real shame. Yeah, I told Spider, too, I was like, man, like, uh, I'm going to start tweeting at Shudder, you know, because I know who runs Shudder over, I think uh, Craig Engler is the man behind Shudder and stuff, getting all the movies on there and everything, so I'm going to try to tweet at him. I've been saying this, I haven't done it yet, and hey, man, let's get Death Valley up there, because they got the power to do it, I'm sure the rights for that series aren't too much they can at least get the old episodes up there maybe that'll like rekindle a fire where they want to make new ones you know i mean that that would really be something else man because i think i think the show is really cool it's unique especially for the time that it came out 
unfortunately being on MTV probably worked against it. You know, like real horror fans probably like they don't even know about the show. Yeah, I've never like I said I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for Netflix at the time. You know, and no shit. I was like, this was on MTV. I'm like, wow. What's funny too is it also makes me think of Hannibal, um, like another great, dark, very dark show. Mm-hmm. Like some like high quality production, great acting, and in during its its heyday, it was on NBC. Yeah, at all places, like on fucking major network, where you know they usually censor every fucking thing. They got fucking Hannibal, which to me could have been almost like a rated R movie, like the way it was done. You know, it was pretty fucking gruesome. Yeah, and like you know, it's it's funny that they they got stuck in that those couple of those years where there was a transition from regular television, like you know your your cable network type scenario, and the the kind of wild west of streaming. You know, mm-hmm. and I remember I read about Hannibal and because I, I didn't even, I didn't have cable. I most of my adult life, I still don't have cable. I mean, now that you don't need it, but I had cable television for maybe two years out of my entire adult life. You know, so I never mm-hmm. really had access to things on there. So I found out about Hannibal. They featured it in Room Morgue. And by the time I found out about it, it was in the third season and it already had been canceled. So there was no fourth season coming. And the story uh, is not resolved. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, man, that would be like, would have been perfect for like, you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix, whatever, Netflix original or Shutter or whatever. It was just would have been a fucking massive show. And I think that, you know, and once again, Hannibal is a show that like, it's like not in the the forebrain of a lot of horror fans. Like they kind of know about it, but I don't know how many, how many, a lot of people I know haven't even seen it. And they've mm-hmm. seen all the Hannibal movies, you know, and Silence of the Lambs and all that. And they know about it, and they're aware, and they're not familiar with the TV show, you know? Yeah, and it's so good, too. Like, it's better than half the fucking, you know, Hannibal movies. I mean, the Silence of the Lambs series, like Hannibal and uh, Red Dragon, you know. I wouldn't say it's better than Silence of the Lambs itself because, you know, it's a classic, but it's different. It's just as good in a different way. I think it's darker and more moody, you know? Yeah, the imagery and, and it's, um, you know, the imagery in it, it's, it's amazing, man. It's just so much of those weird sec- sec- sequences, and it's so fucking cool, man. And, um, yeah, and then apparently isn't, I don't know if it launched yet, but there's like a, a uh, Clarissa um, series coming out. Yeah, it's out. Um, I've checked out the first four episodes, and it's on um, it's on the CBS app, or it's either that or on Paramount Plus. One of the two. I, they might be the same fucking app, but um, it's okay. It's nothing like Hannibal. It's totally different feel wise. You know, it doesn't look the same. It's more of a uh, kind of a cop procedural. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not nothing like Hannibal. It's still okay, but if you're thinking it's gonna be like a follow up to Hannibal or in that same universe, yeah, definitely not. I got super bummed when I heard about it because I was like, man, like, why, instead of making that show, why don't you fucking finish Hannibal, you know? It's just, I, I don't fucking get it, man. Yeah, different director and everything, too, but from what I'm hearing, like, there's still a chance that another season of Hannibal can't, could come out. Like, I've been hearing talks for, like, the past few years about it, and, like, he said he, you know, he hasn't given up on Hannibal yet. Like there could be another season, so I'm thinking that something might be coming around the corner. Just like they're redoing Dexter with the last season, I think there yeah. could be another Hannibal. Yeah, and Dexter's been been wrapped up for many years at this point, you know. So it's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the new Dexter too because that last season was rough and I was a little bit disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, I hate that when they rush through things because they know the end is coming, you know, and it's like, all right, let's just fucking wrap this thing up, you know, and, and be done with it. That's, that's the feel I had for that, you know. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this new season kind of puts some more shit where it needs to be at. Has there been anything new in the last couple of years that you think stands out as far as films go? Oh, I get a, I, I keep a list on my internet movie database app because I watch a lot of shit. So I, I keep everything on there. So I'm pulling that up right now to l- let you know some of the things, you know, I think are noteworthy at least, or just some of the things I think are cool that aren't necessarily like, you know, tens because to get it like a 10 score for me, it's gotta be fucking, you know, something out of this world. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. 
But I know I shared this with you. Uh, um, it's not horror, but it's still dark. I really enjoyed Pig. <laughs> Pig, yeah. was, I mean, that Pig fucking blew me away, man. It's, it had that Mandy feel to it, but it was like totally opposite. Instead of violence, there were it was cooking involved in it. It's, it's fucking weird and crazy, but it's still super powerful. It wasn't so my cup. Wasn't really my cup of tea, but I, I acknowledge it as being a good movie, definitely. Dude, that ending, man. Um, I, I'm not gonna try to give away any spoilers, but I'm just gonna say the ending. Uh, music that um, his wife wrote, uh, Nicholas Cage's wife wrote in the film or whatever of the uh, Bruce Springsteen song "I'm on Fire." That that shit, man. That hit me pretty hard. <laughs> well, you know, you might not know this about me, but I'm a massive Bruce Springsteen fan, and um, I, I like that. That was it was a huge, uh, you know, part of of one of the things I liked about that movie was that because I love that song and I love Bruce and I love all of his old material. I even like his new stuff, man. I think that dude still writes good music, even, you know, even late in his, into his career, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I'm right there with you. I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan as well. And I've always especially been drawn to that song, I'm on fire. It's way too fucking short. And that's only complaint. I'm like, man, keep going, keep going. It's so good and like dark, you know, it's like his darkest thing he ever wrote. Definitely, man. And uh, that, that uh, Nebraska record is, like, super dark, too, man. Mm-hmm. Um, another film that's really got me, and that was from this year, was Censor. Uh, Censor uh, is a fucking strong 9 out of 10 for me. Like, that one really got me. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And most time when I hear good things about a film, it builds me up. I usually get let down. I was not let down with this one. It, w- it was really killer. And this is... Uh, the director uh, Prano Bailey uh, Bond's first like feature film, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty crazy to make something like that and be your first feature. Yeah, I really love that movie, and um, we co- we covered that on Necro, and and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was blown away that that was her first, that was her debut, basically. Yeah, it, I was like, man, that, that's so killer. I'm trying to get her on the podcast too, but. She's hard to reach because you have to go through. It looks like you have to go through some agents and stuff like that, and usually that takes time, unfortunately. So, but I would love to have her and talk, you know, censor and hard with her on the podcast. So I'm looking for that. Um, another thing I just got into another more, a more recent thing I, I think I told you about too is the new uh, Stephen King adaptation, uh, Chapel Weight. That shit was badass. <laughs> yeah, I started that. Uh, once again, by uh, your recommendation, and uh, yeah, it's really great, man. It's really cool, and I liked it's uh, the Jerusalem's Lot short story as the the source material for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one made me subscribe to Epics because I've never used Epics before. I was like, well, new Stephen King things out. I'm gonna get in. Adrian Brody's in there too. He's a fucking phenomenal actor, super underrated. Like he's just great, and he he kills it in this so far. You know, I'm on I think three episodes in. I think that's all they have posted right now, but. Fucking really good, really dork. Since you uh, subscribe to Epics, uh, I recommend the War of the Worlds series that they have. It, it's it's done now. There's three seasons and it's finished, so you can binge binge out on the like, an entire storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned that on uh maybe Necromaniacs that you mentioned that. I'm not sure, but um yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I know my wife's a big fan of that of um. War of the Worlds, the original stuff. So if it keeps up with like the original mythos and all, that'd be really cool. Oh well, then it doesn't, man. It just it's, but it's um the only the only thing it has in common with with the H.G. Wells story is that there's a, an alien invasion. Literally, that's it. But it's like it's more. It, I would say it's closer closer to like uh, an expanded uh, dark Black Mirror episode. You know, Hmm. it's like very conceptual and there's a lot of like, you know, kind of time travel involved. And I don't know. It's fucking cool. It's got a really, really sullen like vibe to it, too, man. So it's like super heavy. Okay, well, that sounds up my alley. I like the dark, heavy shit. So yeah, I definitely put that on my list because I don't, you know, didn't know what to check out on Epics. But that was in the back of my head. So I kind of put that in the forefront now. Um, another really killer uh, movie I saw, I think I saw it this year. Yeah, I saw it earlier this year. It's on Shutter right now. It's called Vicious Fun. Um, it's fucking super dark. and It's, it's kind of like watching a, it's like synth wave, it's like a synth wave horror movie. Like everything's got those reds and purples like we were talking about earlier. And it's got a really badass soundtrack. It's kind of a dark comedy. It, well, it is a dark comedy. 
And is I don't know, man. It just it drew me in. Like I give this one a nine out of ten, and it's it's just really good, really different. I got I've I've seen that pop up, but I, I've yet to watch it. Oh, dude, I highly recommend this one. It's great. It's done by the director uh, Cody Callahan, who's done a bunch of other stuff. He did a lot of letter out, uh, antisocial, you know, the Oak Room. Like he's been involved in a bunch of good stuff, but I think this is like his best thing so far. So I highly recommend that one. It should still be streaming on Shutter. And then um, I got you, I think I also told you about, uh, which was a kind of a surprise hit for me because the title itself kind of threw me off. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this or not, but it's the new uh, brand new Cherry Flavor, the new series on Netflix. <laughs> that shit was a surprise, man. It was really good and really fucking weird. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, Mike, neither Mike nor Jeff have watched that over at Necro. And mm-hmm. I, I watched it and I couldn't stop, man. I, I, I started during the week. So, uh, you know, I usually try to be, go to sleep like around 1130. And, um, you know, I was like, man, this is so good. I can't wait to watch more. And it was really compelling. And at first I was like, ah, I don't know. But then I stuck it out and it really picks up and it's got a great story. Excellent acting. It's shot really well. And um, the cinematography, you know, everything, it's, it's great. The music, you know, their, their, their use of, like, it takes place in the 90s. So their use of uh, 90s music is, is not too heavy-handed, I found, too. Right, yeah, it's very subtle, but there, you know, it works. And it's, it's based on a novel, which I haven't read. Yeah, I want to check that out, too. I think it's a graphic novel, right? Yes. Yeah. I want to check that out. Like the thing that sold me on this, because the name itself and like the you know the artwork they use on Netflix, I'm like ah, it's gonna be another generic Netflix horror movie or horror series. It usually kind of sucks. But then I found out that it's from the people behind uh, Channel Zero, the series that was out on Sci-Fi, then moved over to Shutter, and that's that's one of the best horror series to ever come out. You know, my opinion, like Channel Zero is like top notch. So when I found out they were involved with this, I'm like, I'm in. You know, I know it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be fucking nightmarish and you know dreamlike and it meets all my criteria for what i thought it was going to be you know man channel zero was like such a a fucking great series man you know each each season was different and uh the my the first one is still still like it creeps me out when i think about it you know it's so bleak. Like, is this the way it's filmed? And that is just like, man, it just leaves you there, like sitting alone. Like, you know, is the bleakness of it, man? Like, you feel empty after you watch an episode of that first season. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And then the uh, the tooth guy shows up, the tooth kid, and like, man, if you don't like like teeth horn, which is, I guess, kind of a genre they may have created, but man, that that's some fucked up imagery, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I loved uh, Channel Zero. I liked every every season was killer. It made me actually kind of deep dive into the creepy pasta stuff that it was based off of, and I found a, some cool podcasts. One was called uh, Creepy, and um, this guy just narrates some creepy pasta stories, you, you know, and they get pretty weird, man. Like it's more like a also like a dreamlike scenario with creepy pasta stories that he talks about it's like your worst nightmare come to life they're just fucking super weird you know it's not straight driven it's just all over the place and odd and very weird shit well the creepy pasta stuff that's all like user generated fiction right is that am i right about that i believe so yeah i'm on i caught like the like end of it and stuff because i think it was more like the generation before me kind of started to creep or a generation after me started the creepy pasta stuff so i caught like the the back end of it but i believe that it, that's what it was about well one of the most terrifying things to jump out of into reality from creepy pasta is the slender man like mythology oh yeah yeah i think there's some actual murders took place you know from slender man like i think these two girls end up killing their friend i believe stabbed her yeah there's there's and, a documentary yeah, about man it told her to. yeah <laughs> that's crazy. fucking creepy crazy shit mm-hmm. sometimes art um uh, reality imitates art or you know both ways art imitates reality in some ways i feel like that's like a modern phenomenon where where like this concept is out there in the ether and then somehow it enough people believe in it and then it turns into reality somehow. Yeah. 
it's kind of like a magic almost, you know? Yeah. I, well, there's a term for that. I can't remember what it is. It's a certain magic. If you believe hard in it enough and you, you know, think about it all the time, you know, you can make it happen. You know, if, and I think enough people do that, you know, about a certain subject, say like Slender Man. So many people believe in Slender Man, you know, maybe they think it's real, it becomes real to them. You know, that's real enough, you know, where they go kill. So. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic, man. And, and actually, I think um, it's on the HBO app. There's a documentary about Slender Man, and it's, um, yeah, it's depressing as fuck, man, because these girls have, like, psychological problems, and their lives are ruined, and they murdered this other girl, and it was this terrible story. Mm-hmm. Is the documentary good? I haven't checked that out. It's good. It's good. I, yeah. I recommend it. Uh, speaking on HBO, or speaking of HBO, have you checked out The Outsider? Oh, yeah, man, right away. Like, when it first aired, I watched it as the episodes were coming out because I read, I read the novel, like, before the, before the show. You know, I, I, I love Stephen King, man, so I sounded cool. I read it, enjoyed the book, so I jumped right into the TV series. That's killer. And it stays with the book pretty much 99%. Like, it's really close with the fucking book, which most of the time a lot of, you know, the series take their own liberties and stuff and kind of do their own thing. But this one was really with the book because I watched the series first and I went back and checked out the book because I didn't want to ruin anything, you know. But, man, that shit was so damn good. Really good. That's one of the only things that really, like, I kind of wish I hadn't read the book before watching the show because I realized that the show was such high quality and knowing kind of how the plot elements were laying out I was like oh yeah well this is going to happen next and then it's like sure enough so it was hard to fully enjoy it you know yeah yeah totally that's why I try to watch the stuff first and I go back and you know read or like I do I do a lot of audiobooks on my work because you know sometimes if I'm in the truck or I'm like I'm spraying something or whatever I can put my headphones in and kind of zone off with that so I do a lot of audiobooks and you know I did that after I watched the series and also um heads up on the outsider there's a connection between uh Stephen King's one of his newer books called If It Bleeds I don't know if you read that before no I haven't read that one if you can remember in uh, the end of Outsider there, um, the creature, whatever you want to call him, he was like, uh, you know, I sensed other presences like me before, but I'm not sure if there's more than me out there, like of my kind. Well, if you read If It Bleeds, you get to, um, there's like a continuation of that story. Uh-huh. And it takes place with Holly and stuff, investigating this other like weird shit going on with this similar type creature, you know, oh, you know whatever he was. And uh, yeah, it's fucking good. I think it's even more like, dark and fucked up too like it's it's in the if it bleeds there's three stories i think and this is like the biggest it's more like a novella inside the book you know inside the short stories that are in there and um yeah it explains more of what he was sort of kind of you know it's connected i will put that on my reading list man which is uh quite quite sizable at this point but yes I can't get out of Stephen King and <laughs> like I, like all my audiobooks of is all Stephen King cuz he has so much fucking work you know how long his books are so like the audiobooks like 18 hours and shit so that's like a month right there for me <laughs> Yeah totally man but I don't really want to get out of the universe cuz all his books are connected somewhere you know down to other all like in that universe that he's created for him and stuff so I can't get out of that I'm stuck in that universe I'm on the um I'm listening to uh what's it called here I think it's called the Sanctuary, I believe. Hold on a second. I double check that. It's called, uh, I'm sorry, The Institute. I'm listening to that one right now. And uh, I'm pretty sure this is connected with The Shining somehow, like with the kids with The Shining. Oh, I yeah. think that play, I think it crosses over there somewhere because this deals with like kids with supernatural abilities like telekinesis and you know, able to read minds and stuff like that, too. So, yeah, it's crazy. The, the shit he's created, like the worlds he's created. <laughs> I just started reading, believe it or not, I never read the Dark Tower series, and um, I just started reading the first book, like, a couple of days oh, ago, and uh, thank you. really cool, man, and, like, I'm, it just, it seems like something I would love, man, I just never got around to reading it, and uh, this past Christmas, I bought myself, like, a box set of all the novels, so I just started it uh, a couple of days ago. Well, congratulations on starting your journey, man. One hell of an epic fucking journey. It hell took yeah. me a year and a half to listen to all the fucking audiobooks with it. I read the first two and then everything else I did audiobooks with. Yeah. God damn, man. It's like, it's insane. And you're going to figure out that every fucking book he's ever written is all connected. And Dark Towers are going to like 
you know, expose that to you. Like, oh, they're talking about that book. They're talking about that creature. Like, it's fucking insane, man. Well, I look forward to it. And you get to revisit the man in black again, which I always find fascinating. The walking dude from the stand is also, you know, the man in black. So Yeah, yeah. If I picked up on that right away, actually. Yeah, I find him super interesting. <laughs> but yeah, those are uh, some of the like most noteworthy things I've been watching and kind of reading. Like I said, all of Stephen King stuff right now for what I read. Um, I also read um, the last uh, Clyde Barker novel, which was a Scarlet Gospel, which oh, was yeah. a continuation, you know, with the Hellraiser series, which is not called Hellraiser. It's called Hellbound Heart, I believe. But um, that was really cool. That was really like action packed. Uh, they, they actually, just, they actually oh, go God. into hell in that one. <laughs> yeah, you read it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love the fight between Pinhead and the fucking. I think he fights the devil. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, that's epic. Yeah, man. Like Pinhead just don't give a fuck. Right on, man. That's some good stuff. Yeah, and also with the Arrow app and stuff, I've been uh, finding some more things. They got a ton of good shit on there. I'm just kind of really breaking into that now. To you know, they got a lot of good shit from what I see from the top. So I'm yeah, gonna have more things. Oh. There's a lot of stuff on there that I'm like, man, I'm gonna take a chance on this, and it always pays off. You know, I can give you a quick heads up on uh, something I watched the other day off the Arrow app. It was called uh, Dream Demon. Have you seen that? No, but it looked interesting. I'll probably end up watching that. Yeah, that one's really good. Uh, it, it has some like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street feelings to it, especially when it, shit gets super dark in there. Like they go down to a certain little basement area. It reminds me a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street. I think there's a connection somewhere with the props they use or something. It's very similar, but super fucking weird. Super, yeah, it, it's really good. I, I never seen it before, so you know, I watched it on Arrow. So Dream Demon definitely recommend that. So thanks for. Uh spending some time man i appreciate it. it's good to you know good to catch up and um you know if you want to give everybody uh all your your information as far as where they can find you and uh where they can subscribe and all that kind of stuff cool yeah it's been great catching up and um you can find me um on any podcast platform spotify itunes iHeartRadio, all those platforms there is harwolf 666 podcast the harwolf 666 podcast um my website is harwolf666.com um youtube is harwolf666 but that one's a little bit harder to find just because i don't have enough subscribers yet the more you get it's easier to find you on there for some fucking reason though so but yeah that's where you can find me I'm on all platforms you know uh, visit the website check out the podcast and all that fun stuff and uh on instagram they can follow you as just brandon legion Oh, yeah, that's right. I got my Instagrams on. I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, Instagram's uh, Brandon Legion. Um, I actually have a Facebook page for the Harwolf stuff, too. It's Harwolf666 on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's Brandon Legion. And um, my Twitter handle is Harwolf666 as well. So follow me on Twitter. I do a lot of shit on there, you know, the sharing stuff. And, you know, it seems to be my most popular platform for social media is Twitter. So I use that a bunch. So. Check me out on those. Add me. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. See ya.
Stay, stay.